O Passes to India, Chapter 22, Part 1 Adela lay for several days in the Magbride's bungalow. She had touched by the sun. Also, hundreds of cactus spines had to be picked out of her flesh. Hour after hour, Miss Derrick and Mrs. Magbride examined her through magnifying glasses, always coming on fresh colonies tiny hairs that might snap off and be drawn into the blood if they were neglected. She lay passive beneath their fingers, which developed the shock that had begun in the cave. Hitherto, she had not much minded whether she was touched or not. Her senses were abnormally inert and the only contact she anticipated was that of mind. Everything now was transferred to the surface of her body, which began to avenge her itself and feed unhealthily. People seemed very much alike, except that some would come close while others kept away. In space, things touch. In time, things part. She repeated to herself while the thorns were being extracted. Her brain so weak that she could not decide whether the phrase was a philosophy or a pun. They were kind to her, indeed overkind. The men too respectful, the women too sympathetic. Whereas Mrs. Moore, the only visitor she wanted, kept away. No one understood her trouble or knew why she vibrated between hard common sense and hysteria. She would begin a speech as if nothing particular had happened. I went into this detestable cave, she would say dryly, and I remember scratching the wall with my fingernail to start the usual echo. And then, as I was saying, there was this shadow, or sort of shadow, down the entrance tunnel, bottling me up. It seemed like an age, but I suppose the whole thing can't have lasted 30 seconds really. I hit at him with the glasses. He pulled me round the cave by the strap. It broke. I escaped. That's all. He never actually touched me once. It all seems such nonsense. Then her eyes would fill with tears. Naturally, I am upset, but I shall get over it. And then she would break down entirely, and the women would feel she was one of themselves and cry too. And the men in the next room murmur. Good God, good God. No one realized that she thought tears while a degradation more subtle than anything endured in the Marabar, a negation of her advanced outlook and the natural honesty of her mind. Adela was always trying to think the incident out, always reminding herself that no harm had been done. There was the shock. But what is that? For a time, her own logic would convince her. Then she would hear the echo again, weep, declare she was unworthy of Ronnie, and hope her assailant would get the maximum penalty. After one of these bouts, she longed to go out into the bazaars and ask pardon from everyone she met, for she felt in some vague way that she was leaving the world worse than she found it. She felt that it was her crime until the intellect, reawakening, 
pointed out to her that she was inaccurate here and set her again upon her sterile round if only she could have been mrs morel moor the old lady had not been well either and was disinclined to come out ronnie reported and consequently the echo flourished raising up and down like a nerve in the faculty of her hearing and the noise in the cave so unimportant intellectually was prolonged over the surface of her life she had struck the polished wall for no reason and before the comment had died away he followed her and the climax was the falling of her field glasses the sound had spouted after her when she escaped and was going on still like a river that gradually floods the plain only mrs moore could drive it back to its source and seal the broken reservoir evil was loose she could even hear it entering the lives of others and adela spent days in this atmosphere of grief and depression her friends kept up their spirits by demanding holocaust of natives but she was too worried and weak to do that when the cactus thorns had all been extracted and her temperature fallen to normal ronnie came to fetch her away he was worn with indignation and suffering and she wished she could comfort him but intimacy seemed to caricature itself and the more they spoke the more wretched and self-conscious they became practical talk was the least painful and her the magbride now told her one or two things which they had concealed from her during the crisis by the doctor's order she learned for the first time of the maharam troubles there had nearly been a riot the last day of the fa- festival the great procession left its official route and tried to enter the civil station and a telephone had been cut because it interrupted the advance of one of the large papered towers magbride and his police had pulled this thing straight a fine piece of work they passed on to another and very painful subject the trial she would have to appear in court identify the prisoner and submit a cross examination by an indian lawyer can mrs moor be with me was all she said certainly and i shall be there myself ronnie replied the case won't come before me they have objected to me on personal grounds it will be at chandrapur we thought at one time it would be transferred elsewhere miss quester realizes what all that means do said magbride sadly the case will come before das das was ronnie's assistant own brother to the mrs bhattacharya whose carriage had played them false last month he was courteous and intelligent and with the evidence before him could only come to one conclusion but that he should be just over an english girl had convulsed the station with wrath and some of the women had sent a telegram about it to lady melanby the wife of the lieutenant governor i must come before someone that's that's the way to face it you have the pluck missed quested he grew very bitter over the arrangements and called them the fruits of democracy 
in the old days an english woman would not have had to appear nor would any indian have dared to discuss her private affairs she would have made her dis- deposition and judgment would have followed he apologized to her for the condition of the country with the result that she gave one of her sudden little shoots of tears Ronnie wandered miserably about the room while she cried treading upon the flowers of the Kashmir carpet that so inevitably covered it or drumming on the brass panaris balls I do this less every day I shall soon be quite well she said blowing her nose and feeling hideous what i need is something to do that is why i keep on with this ridiculous crying it's not ridiculous we think you wonderful said the policeman very sincerely it only bothers us that we can't help you more your stopping here at such a time is the greatest honor this house he too was overcome with emotion by the way a letter came here for you while you were ill he continued i opened it which is a strange confession to make will you forgive me the circumstances are peculiar it is from fielding why should he write to me a most lamentable thing has happened the defense got hold of him his a crank a crank said ronny lightly that's your way of putting it but a man can be a crank without being a cad miss quested had better know how he behaved to you if you don't tell her some day else will he told her he is now the mainstay of the defense i did not add he is the one righteous englishman in a horde of tyrants he receives deputations from the bazaar and they all chew betel nut and smear one another's hand with scent it is not easy to enter into the mind of such a man his students are on strike out of enthusiasm for him they won't learn their lessons if it weren't for fielding one would never have had the muharram trouble he has done a very grave disservice to the whole community the letter lay here a day or two waiting till you were well enough then the situation got so grave that i decided to open it in the case it was useful to us is it she said feebly not at all he only has the impertinence to suggest you have made a mistake would that i had she glanced through the letter which was careful and formal in its wording dr aziz is innocent she read then her voice began to tremble again but think of his behavior to you ronnie when you had already to bear so much for my sake it was shocking of him my dear how can i repay you how can one repay one one has nothing to give what is the use of personal relationships when everyone brings less and less to them i feel we ought all to go back into the desert for centuries and try and get good I want to begin at the beginning. All the things I thought I would learn are just a hindrance. They are not knowledge at all. I am not fit for personal relationships. Well, let's go. Let's go. Of course, Mr. Fielding's letter doesn't count. He can think and write what he likes. Only he shouldn't have me 
in rude to you when you had so much to bear that's what matters i don't want your arm i am a magnificent walker so don't touch me please mrs magbride wished her an affectionate goodbye a woman with whom she had nothing in common and whose intimacy oppressed her she, they would have to meet now year after year until one of their husbands was superannuated truly anglo indian had caught her with a venetians and perhaps it served her right for having tried to take up a line of her own humbled yet repelled she gave thanks oh we must help one another we must take the rough with the smooth said mrs magbride miss derek was there too still making jokes about her comic maharaja and rani required as a witness at the trial she had refused to send back the mudgul car they would be frightfully sick both mrs magbride and miss derek kissed her and called her by her christian name then ronnie drove her back it was early in the morning for the day as the hot weather advanced swelled like a monster at both ends and left less and less room for the movement of mortals as they neared his bungalow he said mother's looking forward to seeing you but of course she's old one must not forget that old people never take things as one expects in my opinion he seemed warning her against approaching disappointment but she took no notice her friendship with mrs moore was so deep and real that she felt sure it would be she felt sure it would last whatever else happened what can i do to make things easier for you it's you who matter she sighed dear old girl to see so dear old boy then she cried ronnie she isn't ill too he reassured her major calendar was not dissatisfied but you'll find her irritable we are an irritable family well you'll see for yourself no doubt my own nerves are out of order and i expected more than from mother when i came in from the office than she felt able to give she is sure to make a special effort for you still i don't want your homecoming to be disappointing one don't expect too much the house came in sight it was a replica of the bungalow she had left puffy red and curiously severe mrs moore was revealed upon a sofa she didn't get up when they entered and the surprise of this roused adela from her own troubles here you are both back was the only greeting adela sat down and took her hand it withdrew and she felt that just as others repelled her so did she repel mrs moore are you all right you appeared all right when i left said ronnie trying not to speak crossly but he had instructed her to give the girl a pleasant welcome and he could not but feel annoyed i'm all right she said heavily as a matter of fact i have been looking at my return ticket it is interchangeable 
so i have a much larger choice of boats home than i thought we can go into the that later can't we ralph and stella may be wanting to know when i arrive there is plenty of time for all such plans how do you think our adela looks i am counting on you to help me through it is such a blessing to be with you again everyone else is a stranger said the girl rapidly but mrs moore showed no inclination to be helpful a sort of resentment emanated from her she seemed to say am i to be bothered forever her christian tenderness had gone or had developed into a hardness a just irritation against the human race she had taken no interest at the arrest asked scarcely any questions and had refused to leave her bed on the awful last night of muharram when an attack was expected on the bungalow